Mm. Yes. God. Public speaking events. If it's more than one, one individual, like a group of people, I get nervous because I feel like just talking about it, it's making me uncomfortable. I'm feeling my mouth drying up as we speak. (laughs) But I start to undervalue myself. I forget about everything. Like what we talked about earlier, like, yes, that is, that's, that's the way to do it. But in the, when you're under pressure, I start to doubt myself. Like Greg, you. How can you create a transformation in others? If there's no transformation in, in yourself, join your host, Greg Favaza. As your voice on the hard truths of leadership, your transformation station, connecting clarity, connecting clarity to the cutting edge of leadership. As millennials, we can establish change, not only ourselves, but through organizational change, bringing transparency that goes beyond the organization and reflects back into ourselves, extracting, extracting actionable advice and alternative perspectives. That will take you outside of yourself. All right, it looks like it looks like we're live here. All right. Ooh, hello. Let me get you on the right. What if I want you on the left? Cool. All right, Ryan. Ryan, welcome to your transformation station. No, Ryan Warner, welcome to your yeah. transformation station. How are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. I'm awaiting transformation. That's how I'm doing. Oh, beautiful. So are our listeners. They're definitely awaiting as well. First off, is there an echo coming through? We don't want any echoes coming through. Not on my end. Let me see. Maybe this might be just a little loud where it's picking this shit up. Pop, 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 pop. Shit. Test, test, test. Oh, yeah. I'm going to turn the this little peaker down. Woo, woo, woo. All right. So what can you teach our audience? Now, wait, before you jump into that, I would like to jump in and put my two cents on what we will be going into, or I should say how we will be going into it. I like real authentic intellectual conversations and I like to know what makes you tick what makes the expert tick how you think that and why and I'm going to challenge it being a pessimistic asshole and we're going to see if we can debunk my theories of truth and how we can teach our audience how to be optimistic, how to be healthy when I'm trying to teach the audience how to reason, how to rationalize and not be afraid of thinking on the other side of the fence, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I think I know where you're going with this. Yeah, for sure. Okay, beautiful. And with that being said, you're not going to monologue. I will cut you down and be like, no, not up in here, not up in here, not up in here. Yeah, Yeah, sure. Sounds good. All right. So then jump right in. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Not too much where you'll bore everybody, but give us an introduction and what can you teach me today, right now? 
Sure. Yeah. So I'm. Uh, I have a couple different roles. I fill on a daily daily basis. I'm a I'm a professor, so I do research and I lecture. Uh, in addition to that, I'm a consultant and a coach a trainer for a number of organizations. And I'm also a published author. I write books and I write resources to help people to level up their communication, develop themselves more professionally and personally, and realize their fullest potential. I know it sounds a bit corny, but there's a lot of people out there who can achieve so much more success than they're currently experiencing. And I, I really help them see that and then approach that in a way that makes sense to them. I like that. I mean, everybody seems to have that mentality. First off, I want to just comment. You said self-published author. Thank you for not saying a best-selling self-published author. Everybody <laughs> seems to go down that path and then we have to find out and get disappointed. And that's not where we're trying to go with that. But when you say help people get to what I'm taking away, you're help people achieve that elevated mindset. But my question for you is, how do you ground those that you're teaching so they don't get too high up in the sky and overshoot where they're trying to end up and end up falling on their face? Yeah. So that's called, we, we, that falls into the category of managing expectations. So we would, we kind of, um, depending on the circumstance and I always take a customized approach because circumstances always are varying, but once you have a handle on the factors at play, including the individual's own, uh, past experiences and how they feel about it, you can set up like, what does a win look like? What's my best case scenario in this situation? What's the outcome that I, it, that's practical that I can bring to fruition. And then I usually work on developing tiers of that. So what's the, the, from everything from the best case scenario to what's the bare minimum I got to come away with here. Like what's the, the worst case scenario? What can I, and usually if it's a pitch or a presentation interview, something that you're showcasing, uh, some sort of skills you mm -hmm. want to come up being professional being prepared respected something like that and then we go up to having people sign a check for you or make you an offer or something like that beautiful so it's you're like i don't i don't want to make any assertions yet but your profile you help people uh with public speaking yeah go into that. yeah so and go into that. not to go back a little bit. I'm not a self-published author. I do have a publisher. Uh, my publisher would be upset if I didn't correct that. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I specialize. I started in uh, speaking, pitching, presentations. That's And then I kind of evolved over the, the years to now I do leadership coaching. I do uh, developing positive culture shifts in organization, things of that nature. Okay. So you built up this confidence and now you have the capability to step on the stage, do it comfortably without any anxiety, fear of uncertainty, yada, yada, yada. Mm -hmm. So the fear, the anxiety, that will always be there, a level of it. But what I do, what I have done in the past, what I still do with some clients I'm, I'm where I coach and I work with is through a series of strategies and techniques, we lower the level of anxiety and we help people to still deliver effectively. You know, in my mm -hmm. book, I quote, like Mike Tyson has a great quote. He says, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face. And it's exactly right. People have a plan of what they're going to say when they get up there. And then when they see however, 100, 200, however many people looking at them, all of a sudden that's like the punch, right? And you're like, okay, now what? Right? And then a lot of people default to just reading it or some people, you know, they, they, stumble and they, they kind of stagger through parts of it and they, they apologize and et cetera. Oh, so it's man, really getting people set up for success. 
Yeah, I hate when people are apologizing unnecessarily. It's really just like, God, just shut up and read. Jesus, we know you're sorry. I'm sorry for you that you're up there struggling. It's okay. But yeah. so you're, you're teaching these series of steps. That's great. I mean, we can highlight principles and all that nature. I think that's fantastic. What's really, what's the root of it? I mean, I feel like you got to have yourself down. You got to have an understanding in your values, in, uh, in your principles, in your character, in what you stand for and what you will not, what you will go against to prove a point to raise an assertion, whatever that may be. Greg, are you monologuing? No, I'm not trying to. But the point I'm trying to mate, make is what do they need to know so the fact that they don't need to study for something verbatim and just go up there. They can just go up there and not even look at anything, look at any notes and just deliver with conviction and confidence. Yeah, so I, I think I understand what you're asking. Hopefully. There are, there's no magic bullet, like there's no one size fits all solution. However, there is a hack that works about 80% of the time uh, and the research supports this. The hack is to, sh- before you, before it's your time to shine, before you step into the spotlight, to get into the mindset of, I need to help these people. These people are here. My audience is here for my help. And I, they need to hear what I have to say. It's going to either make their life easier. It's going to help them make money. It's going to help. It's, it's going to provide some value to them. And when you stand up with that in mind, like they're going to, they need this, whether they know it or not right now, they're going to need this. It really, it, your focus is on the, getting them the message. Your focus is not on yourself anymore. You're not worried how you look or about screwing up. You're worried about, are they receiving this? Because I need to help them right now. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I could monologue longer, but I'll, I'll, I'll stop before you stop. Me. Hey, no, I mean, I, by all means, I, I want something from the heart. I don't want nothing. I don't want the basic like generalities. These, I, I don't need that because we all know that we can Google it and find out and like, oh, yeah, that's great. It's like every other blog on Google for the next 12 pages. <laughs> we don't want yeah. that. We want Greg Favaza getting heart from each individual that can really be a great takeaway. So I understand like when I get onto a stage, which was a while when I was active duty, now I'm on here doing my best to imagine that I'm actually making an impact. But what I do is I fall back on my achievements, but I also look towards what am I trying to do? Yes, we are trying to influence people. We're trying to do these great things and elevate. But what I'm trying to solve is what issues are preventing everybody from being successful? Are there, is the system rigged? And if it is, who's to blame for it? And how can we all get a chunk of the pie? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I hear what you're saying. And, and with that um, in mind, let's say, uh, I, I always encourage people to approach it like this. Understand first where it's coming from. So it's not just you, 98 point whatever percent of the world has experiences speaking anxiety and it's evolutionary, right? Many, many, our ancestors, if we were on our own in front of a group of strangers, we might be in a bad situation. So our brain's telling us, get out of here, get out of here, get out of here, right? And because it, it, you know, it could be dangerous. So you're fighting that because in modern times, we know that's not happening, but why am I still experiencing this? Because it's hardwired and our brain hasn't adapted to the millions of years of evolution. So everyone experiences it. It's not just you. And a lot of times the audience is more sympathetic than we think because they know what it's like to be in our shoes. 
But I always tell people, I say, consider this. If you're walking down the street and there's like an elderly person crossing your path and they trip and fall, they fall off their cane or their walker, your instinct, most, the vast majority of people is going to be to, to lean down and help them, like to help them up. And that's human nature, right? We, we don't, doesn't matter if there's a million people watching, we're going to help that person up, right? And we have no anxiety at all about doing that. So when, when it comes to presentations and public speaking, I take that same approach. See, I like that. And, but like with human nature, I mean, yeah, we, we can say that they'll help an elderly, elderly individual up if they fall. But what about if somebody's getting dragged out of Target and getting kidnapped? I mean, I think there's plenty of videos on YouTube where people are standing and just watching, maybe even whipping out their phone like, holy shit, this is happening. I'm like, dude, why ain't you stepping up and going after that individual and beating the shit out of them? Well, in those situations, there is an element of danger um, of self-risk, right? There's not really too much risk in just helping someone up. But, um, but yeah, I, th- I think most people, if there's no other factors, everything else being equal, they're inclined to help. And I, I just – it's people don't get as much practice nowadays, especially with technology. Yeah. They don't get as much opportunities to speak in front of people. So when they now, when p- the pandemic's kind of uh, you know, slowly subsiding, some places are opening up more and more. I think that you know, we're going to see a lot more of speaking anxiety going forward. Mm. Okay. So for an individual, how does he define it? Because there's my example, which is the extreme and yours, which is not. Mm-hmm. Where is that little, little line that they can walk knowing that if they just trust in themselves that they can actually they can make it out okay yeah so it's that with that making it out okay that's a good point you bring up there i like that there's a premeditated decision you have to make beforehand and i'm sure being someone in the military you can relate to this before you go in on an op or a mission whatever you know best chance of success is this right that you know plan a is your highest probability of success so with when going into it you know, other factors might throw you off, but you know, like, okay, I'm going to revert back to my premeditated plan. And that's the same thing. So when I get up on stage, even if I want to change what I, uh, my introduction in the moment, I know that's not going to help me because I need to achieve a desired outcome. What's my target at the end of this? A lot of people don't do that. They just start. That's my pet peeve, by the way. Yes. There we go. I like this. Tell us. People get up in front and they're just like, I'm just going to go up and send my message, say what I need to say. Okay, that yeah, that'll work until it doesn't. That'll work with certain people who understand the way you naturally think and they process info the same way. But that's like 20 percent of people at best have the same mindset at best. So what people who do that, they're just setting themselves up for failure. And then afterwards, they're like, oh, I feel good. And, And that's their measurement of success. Right. No, your measurement of success is did you influence the odd? Did you achieve what you needed to? Did they call you up for a follow-up meeting or did you get that sale or did you, you know, get the promotion you wanted, whatever your desired outcome is, that's your goal. And everything else gets strategically structured to bring that to fruition. Okay. Yeah, no, it makes sense. But I want to challenge that as far as what, what about the goal of actually transforming ourselves? I mean, the reason why we're stepping up is we are. We, we don't understand. We haven't grown to the potential that we think we are at when really we're really not. And we go up there and we do fall on our face. That could be considered a learning experience. And I like what you brought up before you comment on that one. I like what you brought up as far as stepping up 
to the plate and just saying it. I mean, we don't rise to the occasion. We fall back on preparation. I can't claim that. That is a quote that is widely used in a variety of ways. So Mm -hmm. go ahead. (laughs) Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, we we definitely do fall to the best level of our preparation. And people, when they fail to prepare, they just, you know, prepare to fail. It's the same. It's not anything new, but yet people do it. And the other big problem that I see is mispreparation. People think by doing a number of things that they feel like they have an action bias. I feel like I'm preparing, therefore I must be preparing. No, that's not the best way, but we can get into that later. Um, For those folks who are interested in professional development and speaking is an area you want to improve, yes, it is great for you to seek out opportunities to to speak. Um, Make sure you have a message worth speaking about first and have everything else in mind. Now to the more deeper point, which I'm glad you brought up as well, Thinking back on experiences as a lesson, not as a regret and not as uh, not emotional is a skill that takes a lot of practice. But when you can do that and you can remove yourself from the situation, look at it objectively. And what are the takeaways here? What would I do differently next time? What would I do the same? Right. That's what you need to kind of pull out with, uh, you know, machine like efficiency, no emotional, like, you know, dispassionately. And then you can operate you know, from there and you'll bring about better results going forward. Yeah, usually people, I mean, I'm going to speak on behalf when I say usually, I'm looking at me here. I was able to dissociate, I still can, able to dissociate myself from my own emotions and be able to walk into the situation and almost act what's perceived as robotic, but I look at it as I'm being direct, right from the heart, right to the point, because I want to address that. Mm -hmm. And that allowed me to go through all my trials and tribulations, but also it saved me from my social upbringing, the trauma that I experienced. I know a lot of people in management positions today, they're facing that shit. So what would your message be if you could help them face that right now, if they're not even aware of it, that's occurring and affecting their public speaking? Yeah. If they're not aware of it, that's tough to, it's tough to heal a wound you don't know where it is but in that to use metaphor but in in that regard failure is not the opposite of success failure is part of success and you know this uh, public developing yourself so achieving your full pot- potential is not a sprint it's not a one week game it's not fixed okay it continues on and it compounds the interest the effort you put in today you'll build on that tomorrow you you get to keep that the momentum you create the you know the good positive habits and the situations you put yourself in now, they will yield opportunities for you in the future. It takes a little bit of a little bit of wisdom, a little bit of advice. Usually uh, people who are successful and they get this have uh, mentors that, that tell them that they're trusted because if you don't see it, it's, it's tough to keep going on faith, right? But yes, but that's the truth. So with this, let's look at the, let's look at entrepreneurs. All right. So they're out there grinding. I'm one of them. And I'm putting effort in every day, working on the podcast, trying to monetize, not getting shit after two years. And then you go into a lot of research and then you feel like the system might be playing off my own efforts to benefit those that are in a higher position. Now, for people like me and who are striving, who are driven to get the goal that they're after, like, Whatever is in front of my way, I will run it over till I get to that position that I want to be. What can you do to help us 
understand that the positive mental mindset is a good thing versus when I want to be negative and look at everything and be like, you know what, why should I help these other people? Why should it matter as far as the businesses that are caveating on me marketing to individuals that are listening to the show? Because I feel like if people really cared, they would look at the truality and what's really happening. People aren't getting their, their dream job. They're not getting in the place that they want to end up. And I feel like regret is starting to come in very slowly. So what is your message about that? Yeah, that was a lot. That was my, my mind goes, Greg, my mind goes so fast. I had like three different thoughts. I'd, I'm trying to remember them now as I go through, but okay. Number one, and I'm sure you've heard this quote before too, because it's a fact that, you know, people are, you're 30% smarter, more intelligent, especially at problem solving when you're in a positive frame of mind. So keeping that positivity, keeping that hope, keeping that belief alive has benefits on a daily, like a real benefit on a daily basis, right? The more positive you are, the more upbeat you are, the more creative you are, uh, the more intelligent you are, and the more kind of you want to say like uh, motivate, like driven, it, it, it creates drive, which is excellent to have, especially as an entrepreneur. You, you won't make it if you don't have the drive and the passion. I worked with a lot of entrepreneurs earlier in my career, so I, I'm, I'm familiar with the with their mindset, their personalities pretty mm-hmm. well, I think. So that that's number one. Number two is the most important thing you can do for as any professional, like the most important thing is develop your own personal brand. It doesn't matter whether you're a part of an organization or you're a standalone entrepreneur or you're develop, growing your own corporation. It, your personal brand will follow you everywhere. Well, you know, if you change companies, if you decide this, if you decide that. So the, the way, what, how does your personal brand get built? It gets built off your track record, what people see from you. Did you handle this professionally? Did you give an A quality effort, everything you could give, even though it was a pro bono work or it was just promotional, you didn't get paid for it, but you had to do it to get your name out there or you were doing someone a favor. How did you treat people who were asking you for favors, right? All of those things, they play, they build your personal brand. And when that time comes, when the opportunity comes, people will be, you know, should we give this person a shot or what do you think? Should we do business with this person? When those conversations happen, your personal brand comes into play, right? So we need to be mindful of that too. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what I would say. Okay. And I'm sorry, I forgot your third question. My mind locked. Lapsed. Yeah. Yeah. My mind lapsed because I was locked on. You said 30%. We are something with being more optimistic. I want to challenge you on that source. Tell me about that 30%. Yeah, so it's it's widely um, it, it's kind of been widely documented now. And actually, uh, Chris Voss, I'm not sure if you've read his book. He's got a great book um, about negotiation. He mentions it in there. In the FBI, they teach it when they're negotiating with terrorists that you know to not get bogged down on the the actual hard circumstances because it'll cloud your judgment and you won't be as creative when you're trying to solve problems. And when I me being a professor, I, I wanted to verify that fact. So yeah, it's been by a couple different sources. Happier people are generally healthy, healthier. They're more immune to diseases. Their bodies fight off. They have more antibodies. There's a myriad of benefits coming with being positive, right? It's easy to be negative. There's a lot of things in the world to be negative about. It's very easy, right? So if you have the choice to be negative and focus on the things that are going wrong or be positive and optimistic about the things that have and might continue to go right, I'm choosing to be positive because I need that 30 to leverage that 30% and I want to realize my potential. Okay, great. So with this information, we have a 
developed mindset. Now, when we're in a conversation or at a social event, public gathering, whatever you want to call it, you're up in front of people and you got to speak. Where, how do we maximize our success in the conversation when we have to speak of something that might challenge our ethics or our morals without being afraid of offending somebody or the audience? Yeah. So there's a, there's a lot in that. There's a lot in that. It depends how firm you are on, on your standpoint on the morals, um, and the, the conversation at hand. But there are like, let's say if, if hypothetically, if we're going to go to the end of the spectrum here, if you're, you know, really dead set and someone's saying something that's, you know, borderline offensive or something you disagree with. Right. And they ask you for your input and they say, Greg, don't you agree? Something like that. Fuck um, no. <laughs> <laughs> so that's one way to go. So, <laughs> but um, if, when, I'm, when I'm consulting, to be honest with you, that's only come up a handful of times and it usually comes up you're right, in, in social circles, um, especially with, with attorneys for some reason. But uh, <laughs> nevertheless, when it comes up and someone says something that, you know, you firmly disagree with or whatever, right? A, a good response is like, you know, uh, I understand your point or I, I see your point. Uh, I mean, you know what? That's you give me a lot to think about. I'm going to think about that. Right. Even if you categorically disagree with them, that kind of neutralizes the cut. Co- There's nothing more they can say about like you're signaling to them. I see your where you stand and I'm still processing what you've said. Um, you know, like, and they're not going to push you further like that. That's because you've already acknowledged it. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's a good way to keep yourself. Uh, um, from a, by all appearances, professional and, and neutral and what have you. And then, you know, at a later time, you can come forward if, you, if you'd like. But I, I'm in the business of, you know, kind of feeling out. You need to know where everyone stands before you do something that might be misinterpreted by others, right? Because you want to yes. be re- as well received as possible, especially in the business world, right? People who are friendly and outgoing and, and they do, you know, much more business. They have many more opportunities. So that's where I usually stand from. Okay. So tell me about authentic leadership. Why is that important? Why should I care? Oh, you need to be. So yeah, leadership, something I I talk a lot about, uh, being authentic, you need to have your own personal values weaved in to your leadership style or else there'll be a lot of internal friction. You'll, you'll realize you'll experience outside of work and inside. So I, I'll kind of distill this down quickly and I'm sorry if I don't do it justice, but when I'm coaching, when I'm training uh, new leaders and, and even leaders who are changing positions, you need to develop a leadership lens. And that's a combination of your own personal values over here, the company vision and their priorities over here, maybe uh, your subordinates and your, your team and what their goals are over here. You need to align those together. And then you create like almost like a telescope. I say like as a visual aid, I say it's a lens. Mm-hmm. And then any problem that comes up or any decision that needs to be made, you look at it through that lens. And that way you're satisfying all of your, into all of the needs, all of the desires at once. And it's not, it doesn't always work, but for, you know, a good proportion of it, it will, and that will help guide you. That's great. That's a, that's a great response. Now, for those that don't believe in the word that you say, and you are just like everybody else that gets on the microphone with Greg and says, you need to do this, this, and you will be better. Well, prove it. Tell me something I tell me something I don't know. Reassure me that you are the best choice out of everybody else. Ooh, the a lot best of pressure. Choice. A lot of pressure in, there. 
<laughs> the best choice in terms of coaching and consulting. Correct. So I tell people, to be honest with you, I've never had to, my client base, to be honest, I'm kind of restricted right now. I've always traveled by word of mouth. So I don't advertise. I don't promote people who've worked with me. They tell someone else you need to work with Ryan, or I got a guy who can help you. His name's Ryan. Go talk to him. Um, so that, uh, that's a lot of credibility right there when I get the referrals, mm -hmm. but I think a couple things, number one, because I've worked with oh, over a hundred of organizations right now, everything from uh, healthcare and pharmaceuticals all the way to real estate tech, everything in between. I've seen so many different professionals in so many different areas. I've seen a lot of circumstances that I could help navigate people through and help illuminate their decisions uh, so that they can kind of realize what's at the end of the tunnel on, you know, door number one versus door number two. And, uh, so I, that's, that's what a lot of people like to leverage is my experience, what I've seen. Mm -hmm. But I think above all, my, my biggest asset is, is I'm, I love helping people. Like I always tell you, if I won the lottery, I would do this for free because I just love seeing people achieve their own goals. It, I feel like the residual effects of it. I feel like, like mm -hmm. I achieved it too, even if I didn't. So that's really what drives me. And when people realize like I'm on their side and I'm helping them because I'm not just, you know, out there just to spin my wheels. Mm -hmm. That's, that really was what resonates with people. Okay. So for those that are working their ass off and they're only, they're illustrating themselves through with word of mouth and what their actions portray. I mean, when I, when I'm out there doing work, either it's on the field or if I'm doing something back in the military, they know Favaz is at fucking, don't bother him. He's getting shit done. All right. That's you just steer clear. Let him get it done. We get the results. We fucking bring it home. But you're teaching me how to communicate. So if I can't communicate, if I'm entering into a new position, if I'm transitioning to a new lifestyle because the previous lifestyle failed, how do I articulate my success and illustrate that to the potential organization or team that I'm taking charge? Hey, you're going to trust me because I illustrate it through my behavior. I shouldn't even have to say it because when I walk in there, they'll feel my presence and know that Greg Favaz is a fucking leader. Mm -hmm. So how do you illustrate that? So when you're, when we're transforming what you've just articulated in the military, for example, we're, you know, translating that into corporations or real, real day, real time, they need. So, so the first thing you need to do is you need to understand what's my highest probability of success here. What do I need done? Okay, what, what, what's my outcome? I'm talking to this new team. I'm stepping in. They're not going to trust me. They're going to think I'm like everyone else and, and I'm just you know working nine to five or I have ulterior motives or whatever they're going to think. People take their scars with them, right? So, yes. but you need them to, you know, to help you fulfill your goal, right? Because you're like the maestro of the orchestra. And if they're not playing their instruments, that's a poor reflection on you if you can't get them to play. So, and you need them to play in harmony and sync with everyone else. So what do you do, right? Well, number one, you identify what do I need? What's my overall goal? What do I need from each of them? And then you craft your message. That's it's easier said than done because the communication style you use, it needs to resonate. They need to, it needs to hit them. And then even if they don't, not everyone will agree with it. It's never going to be a hundred percent, but you reinforce that with your actions afterwards. Right. And you can have those uh, conversations, those follow up conversations. You explain to your team members how what they're doing is contributing to the overall goal and how much you value it, because everyone needs to do their part. And if they stop, then everyone feels the repercussions of it. You know, you know, in the military, there's actually funny you mentioned that because I watched this documentary yesterday. It blew me away. They said 
any uh, superior officer or commanding officer who sends a soldier into battle without a weapon uh, faces a court martial. And I feel like that's that's the same thing that some organizations do to their employees. They send their sales teams out. They send their people out to conferences to speak without speaking, without polishing up, without giving them any tools to succeed. And like you said, these people might be extremely knowledgeable, brilliant, like, you know, geniuses. But if they can't communicate, if they can't present themselves, if they can't represent the organization well, if they like you're, you're setting them up for failure, like, you know, mm-hmm. it's not going to it's not going to serve them. So. Well, if you look at it as a developmental role, they have to learn on the fly and that's where they fall back on their learned, their refined behaviors that we talked about earlier. Wouldn't that set them up for success just identically the same way as they would if they were to step on stage and give a public speech? Well, learning from their mistakes, yes, we, that would be like learning the hard way. So, yes. yeah, I guess if, if they have the resolve, if they have, you know, because some people, it also takes a toll on them, right? It's, it's, a, it's a bad memory. And a lot of people, they have a tendency to kind of try to forget or bury the bad memories and they don't extract the value that you might mm-hmm. because you're a little bit more, you know, direct and more mentally tough. You've been through some more things. So you're able to look back as a lesson uh, a little bit more regularly. But uh, you know, we we need to we need to prep them. We need to set them up for success. We need to simulate some some circumstances. We need to give them the language, the phrases to use. We need to have them maybe go with a mentor once or twice and see someone else how they handle it, so that they can you know kind of uh, replicate that when it's their time. Right? We need to give yeah, them. I like that. Okay, uh, following watching their mentor in in action. Now, do you illustrate that in your line of work? Can they? watch you in real time to pick up how you handle yourself under pressure. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. That's one of the things that some of my clients enjoy. I, I called into a training session. I was in Denver, uh, before Christmas and yeah, they, they, I was doing a training session on presenting yourself and, and in a conference setting when maybe you're a little bit guarded because you have some proprietary information and you don't know if the the people you're speaking with are actually interested or they're just trying to, you know, find out your secret sauce or find out what your mm, actual number is like or something of that nature. Right. So they love it. We do a little bit of role play and I say, okay, go ahead like, bring it on. Like, what do you want to know? And they would, they start firing and they start asking questions. They're like, so how long have you been developing this? And they, they start some prying questions and I, I show them, I give them the phrases of, of how you would, kind of field those and navigate those to maintain, you know, respect and you look professional, but at the same time, you're not giving them, you know, exactly what you, what you're afraid to. That, okay. You said something that really got me going now. What, when we're actually negotiating with an individual with certain information that we don't want to give out, or we're trying to make a deal, but we don't want them to know we're fucking failing. We're barely surviving right now. But when I come in there, I'm like, no, I'm, we're, we're doing fantastic. We just made a mi- we just made a million dollars in sales. Sorry about that. My mic's fucked up, and I got to get this straight. We just made a million dollars in sales, but that's why you need to trust us over the competition. Where is like, how do we illustrate ourselves with that confidence, even though we know we're not doing good? yeah so so i always uh uh, being deceitful is never a good strategy because if it's a partner or sometimes you actually in the future you have to show them the books anyways and you have to (laughs) so at that point it's not going to be benefit you right um and then other times if you mislead people again it's going against your personal brand it's not Mm going to help you in the long run 
But that being said, you don't always have to uh, leverage or highlight tool or hard data and, and, and you know, sales and, and numbers to justify someone coming on board, right? You can illustrate how far you've come in the development of something. You can, in that scenario in particular, I'm kind of just mm-hmm. working with the one scenario. Hey, I appreciate but, it. Yeah, there's, <laughs> there's other ways you can highlight the value, right? And we have perspective this on the horizon and we're focusing our efforts here. And right now we're working on some groundbreaking tech here or groundbreaking solutions for this. I'm very excited about that. And when you're excited, it's contagious, right? And people become excited. They become bad. Sometimes, so, usually I like, whoa, this guy's... <laughs> I don't know if I trust him now. If he's a little too excited, reminds me of a car salesman. (laughs) (laughs) So when when somebody brings up the numbers, then that makes me doubt them even more because it's like, okay, you know, this exact amount of data that every dollar amount that you've made, I don't believe it. Somebody's vision. (laughs) See that some people are skeptical And, and yeah, it's, it's, there is a little bit of a mind, like, you know, how do you present, like, basically, how do you send your message so it'll be received the way you want and the people will think what you want them to think? That's ultimately what effective communication is, is how do I send a message to you and have you walk away with the impression, with the thoughts that I would like you to have beforehand? And if I can do that, then the words the, that I choose, the language I'm utilizing really is flexible. The end goal is you thinking what I need you to think and going away when I, so I need you to go away respecting me, thinking I didn't deceive you, that I was honest with you and that I'm a person you want to do business with or work with again in the future. Right. So to do that, sometimes that entails like, yeah, you know, the a phrase such as, you know what, the numbers are always fluctuating. They're always climbing. To be honest, they could have changed in the last five minutes. I, I'm not really sure. And actually my finance person could probably speak better to that. But, but in what I'm focused on now is I'm, I'm, interested in this. this is what's happening, you know, and you can redirect from there. So you've acknowledged them. You've said that there's someone else who's could be better positioned to answer. And then you're telling them what you are focused because you're not focused on that. You're focused on something else. So you're re, you're leading them into an area of strength. you want them to go? Because typically, ideally that is where you've made the most development or the most positive changes. Do you know what I mean? Yes. No, that was right on point where I wanted to go with that. Now let's say we're leading a team. All right. They don't like the way I lead them. This is just using this as an example, because the way I try to lead people is through transformational leadership with a little hint of empathy. Mm-hmm. However, in this scenario, I'm direct. I'm an asshole. They don't like it. Okay. The job needs to get done. I'll find somebody else that will take your position. Now, what's wrong with that picture? So if it's, What's wrong with that picture is the leader is not helping themselves, frankly. And it's very, again, from a a black and white, very clear right and wrong perspective. Yes. Okay. You're their superior. They're the subordinate. They should be executing your commands. They should be following out your orders, which you tell them to do. However, and I wrote an article on this about a month ago, um, the motivation that they have, the job that they do, how, how well they attack it, how much they care about it, the effort they put in. That, those are all like varying. Those are qualitative. You can't account for those, right? So if you're saying, this is my this is my style, it's always worked for me before, which is what I hear sometimes when I'm working with leaders. It's always worked for me before. It's just this one person. Okay, even if that were true, what is giving you the best shot at success? Your goal is not to you know make someone else conform to your style. Your goal is to achieve your success, right? To achieve what you want. So is if sending the message a different way, 
or multiple ways. Or if, you know, taking a different approach with one person, if adjusting your approach is going to give me a 90% chance of success instead of an 80% chance, I'm adjusting my approach rather than me trying to change this person and complain about this, but that's not helping. Right. Yeah. No, I definitely play devil's advocate with this a little bit because you, you play along nicely. So this is great. What if I just, I don't want to, because right now the main task is to achieve this objective and you're sandbagging. I see you fucking twiddling your thumbs when my fucking back is turned. What mm-hmm. the fuck? How do I handle this? Do I approach and get in their face and knife hand them and say, what are you doing? Why aren't you doing your job? Why do I got to micromanage you every five seconds? So that would, again, it depends <laughs> on the circumstances, but I'm going to go yes. with 99%. That would not be the optimal approach. Um, the approach in that scenario, for me, just working with the limited data, I would approach them and I would ask them, like, how are you doing? Is something going on? I can't tell you how many people are like going through a divorce or are having other problems that's distract. Like yes. they're not distractions because they're big issues, but they're, you know, spilling over into their professional lives. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Right. Very. So yeah, some people have to take care of their, you know, their parents who are, you know, they're going to go into a home, but they can't afford it. And they're trying sure. to find the right one. There's a lot going on. Okay. People, so then why do we separate that? You're at your job. You leave your personal shit at your house. See, I'm bringing junior enlisted Sergeant Favaza in on this right now. Normally I'm very intuitive. I understand. I could, I can sense when somebody is off put with my message and I just, I just, moved a little bit to where I can hit them just right. So with this situation that I'm portraying right here is this is real. This is in the military. This is how, if if you're on the line, these are how individuals that are in charge, keep people alive. Yes. That transfers over into organizations. I've seen it operate in warehouses with UPS. I worked there. I was a manager there. I seen it fucking on, uh, with security, undercover security, armed security, law enforcement, it's a little more laid back as everybody's going after the same thing. But that does happen, even though people don't want to admit it, it fucking happens. So how do we address that individual who's being a dick to us? We would assume that people do things to annoy you, not necessarily, or to, that annoy you, not necessarily to annoy you. We would, and it's, it's a little bit different, and I know where you're coming from, and I, mm-hmm. I watch, like I said, I watch tons of military documentaries. I, I just can't get enough of them. Um, but it's in those circumstances, it is life or death and time is, is of the, of, is of the essence and people are trained to not question, to just do, there's a lot of differences. I mean, there's similarities of course, but when you're working with someone who, like you said, they're underperforming, they're distracted, they're, you know, it appears by all appearances, they're defying you or they're not carrying out what you'd like them to do their jobs as they should. Right. If I want to help make that person perform better, because that's my goal, I need them to perform more. I mean, if I, you know, you say, okay, fire them. Okay, if firing them is off the table, if you can't <laughs> remove them, if they're on the project, then we need them to, you know, to increase their productivity. The strategy I would use is a strategy of approaching them, you know, and I would say, like, are you okay? Can I, well, do you need any help? Like, is there something I could do to support you? Like, what's going on? You don't want to get too personal, but say, if you're going through something, let me know. I can point you in the right direction or we can give you some resources, right? then the person starts to feel a little bit like they're being cared about. They're being looked after. They're being considered. Right. And then generally that's the first step. It's not the end all be all, but it's the first step in getting them to get their mind in their, get their mind back and get their things sorted out. Because oftentimes 
there's other things at play. Things are not sorted out for them. Okay. So let's say you're in that position and I challenge you on your, on your ethics, what you stand for. And I just, I look at you like, I don't feel like you deserve to be in a leadership position. I feel like you need to be at the very bottom and climb your way up like everybody else. Now, what would you say if somebody says something to you like that? Okay. So if I were, if I were a leader and someone uh, said that to me, yes, me as an example, Hmm. I think I would say, yeah, that's, that's a new one. You're, you're, that's, this is new territory for me. I've never had this role play before. I think I would approach them and I think I would individually like one-on-one and I would say, I would ask them, be like, I'm really curious. Uh, I'm not upset. I'm just curious. Like, why would you say that? Was it something, an action or an event that unfolded that Mm -hmm. led you to that conclusion? Like what, what, what do you think? And hopefully they would be forthcoming and tell me like, I've seen you do this or the way you said this or the way you Mm -hmm. did that. And I'd be able to spot it if it was something that I did, like, you know, a mistake that I made. Okay, you know, I would address that. But I think the goal is to recalibrate, to recalibrate the relationship, right? So they're signaling to you something's wrong with this relationship. I don't Mm -hmm. respect you or my respect is hanging in the balance, hanging by a thread. Mm -hmm. I think the goal would be to get on the same page and whether that's, you know, realigning priorities or, you know, apologizing or justifying or whatever you have to do. But I think at that point, yeah, that's the next step. I'm sure you've heard when an employee quits their job, they're quitting their manager. I don't know what the percentage is. Maybe you might know, (laughs) (laughs) but they're quitting their manager because they have not, they're not in line with everybody else. I feel like that might be the fact that the leader didn't investigate and learn each employee that is below them, understand what motivates them, what demotivates them. Again, what, what you said, what are they going through that could be hindering or causing fog when they should be performing way better than they're actually? And what about communication? I mean, as far as that's all illustrating communication, but communicating the philosophy and the intent of the organization from the top down, but then also to the bottom up and how to be at our prime. What would you say about that? Yeah, there, there has to be a little bit of room um, to breathe. There has to be a little bit of flexibility. There has to be a little bit of understanding. Like some people there, you know, there, there are those people out there. I think we're speaking by and large with like a, but like a minority of the population. I think the vast majority of folks, they understand the role and the responsibility. And if they're not fulfilling it, like they know they're not fulfilling it, mm-hmm. but there is that small proportion of the population that's not fulfilling it. And they feel, I don't know, dare we say entitled or they feel like, yeah, I, I showed up today on time. What else do you want? Right? Like, well, I want you to do your job. And they're like, well, I'm here. That's my job. Right. So there are those people, um, in the world. So wait, wait, hold on for those we want to say that the majority understands their position. Okay. So not everybody can be promoted. So what about the ones that do and they're doing everything right and they don't get promoted? So if they're doing everything right and they're not getting promoted, it means that a couple things, it means that either a, there's no positions for them to ascend Mm -hmm. um, or B, their efforts are going uh, unrecognized. So it need, they need to be highlighted in, in some form or fashion. Usually that's asking for more responsibility from the, their direct leader. And then they, and the direct leader forces them to look at review what they've done and like, Oh wow, this person's actually done a lot. 
um, and that might be a path there. The other option is, you know, typically the they're if they're being overlooked, is something maybe a mistake they made in their past or something that is, you know, give, putting up a red flag and people are, you know, thinking hard and second guessing whether or not they should be empowered to a leadership position. But I think people need to, I would go through that process. I would, you know, ask my, ask them to, for more responsibility, see what they say. And then my advice would be if, if you were looking for a promotion and there's not one where you are, then you need definitely need to change your circumstances because, you know, there's no use waiting around two, three, four, who knows how long, how many years yeah. hoping for a promotion. Yeah, no, that's good. Okay. You can take this conversation, take it to the next topic. <laughs> How much more time do we have? Uh, as much time as I want. I'm looking at maybe 30 minutes. Wow, 30 more minutes. Long yeah, time. yeah. I'm going to hold you here as long as I can, Mr. Knowledge Expert. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I'm getting yeah held hostage. No, it's all good. Yes, exactly right. Um, yeah, so the next topic. I think that I think that there's a lot of folks who take communication for granted. And, and I don't just mean people themselves. I think people in organizations... And it's a message that I've been sharing for a while. You know, oftentimes I get called in by companies to do culture shifts or team cohesiveness, conflict resolution, because people with working within teams have this friction. Sometimes they don't work together well. They don't like, you know, they respond to emails late or they'll, you know, they feel slighted. So they, they you know, they're going to respond in kind with their, one of their colleagues on their team. And I just, I, I the more I see, it's it's always eye opening for me. The more companies I travel to, the more places I go, and I see them, the, it's the same like basic fundamental misunderstanding. People think that you know their communication is like I send you a message, a direct order, and you do it, and that's it. And if you don't do it, then you're the problem. Or I did my job, so that that's all I need to do, right? Yes. And, and that's very, very common. Many people, they, especially, um, it, like it, I've seen it a lot too in, in the tech world when like a bunch of engineers are working together for the first time and they just, it's all just mess, all one way communication, all being sent you, around. Go back, go back with that question or that statement there. All right. Now they send them a message and then they feel like that's all they need to do. Now, is that on the, whose fault could that be on? I feel like it could be on either or God, this microphone's fucked. I feel like it could be on either or the individual knows that the sender who sent the message to the receiver knows that the receiver is a lazy ass. Thus, I know if I send it to him, he's not going to do it. Thus, he gets in trouble and my day is smooth sailing because he goes home early. Now, the fact that he knows that, is he now a sandbagging individual or is he, he shouldn't even be considered promoted with that type of mentality, like, tell me about that. Just that side of the conversation first. Oh, well, that would be a, I guess that would be a judgment call based on the individuals, the specific individuals and the, their manager. Maybe in their workplace that gets recognized. Um, a lot of places are unique. But, I mean, for me, from my standpoint and where I, what I stand for, my philosophy is I'm, I'm a big believer in building your personal brand and you want to be a person that everyone wants to work with. That's the reputation you want, right? Greg want whatever situation Greg goes to, whatever company, people are like, I want him on my team. We want Greg. No, get him over here. Mm. Or yeah, yeah, working with Greg this week. Yeah, that's what we want, right? Like, yes, this guy's awesome. We can put him anywhere. He does awesome work, gets along with everyone, right? That's what we need. 
And when, guess what, when the company needs to send someone out to represent them or needs to, you know, give someone a promotion opportunity, we'll get Greg. Greg speaks great. You know, I heard him at a conference explain, you know, he was selling things. He was talking to people. You know, we'll get him to do it. Like that's the reputation you want. So when you're in that situation where you're sending a command to your colleague or you're sending a message and just kind of like wiping your hands of it, it's done. There may be repercussions from that. Like I said, there, there may be consequences that, you know, you get kind of labeled or you start to get that, you know, you start to get that kind of aura of being someone who's own self-serving, who's looking out for themselves, Mm -hmm. who's, you know, a little bit, uh, you know, spiteful or what have you, which is not going to benefit you in the long run. Yes. They're definitely tainting the culture within the organization with that type of mentality. And you said something, it made me laugh because it's like, oh, we'll call Greg for, for this situation, when we need somebody that's direct, oh, someone's getting promoted, Greg will say the best speech that will really elevate the organization during this meeting later, and they'll be fired up until next week. However, what if it's like an intense, like an intense emotional situation? Don't call Greg. Holy shit. He will bury us. <laughs> call fucking Ryan right now. Don't leave him out. Don't let Greg know that there's something going on down there. Yeah, that's a great point. That's a great point. So you want to be, um, you want to be well versed. And and there's actually a term that I don't want to say I coined it, even though I have never heard anyone else use it. But, you know, I was listening to a podcast once and there was a nutritionist on there and he, people were asking him, what's the best diet? You know, is it, you know, the carnivore diet or the keto diet or is it the, you know, vegan diet or or whatever, all these diets, like what's the best one? And he said, so I'll never forget. He said, I strive personally, I strive to be, he's like metabolically flexible, which means whatever I put in my body, my body will harness the most energy out of it. It'll make the most efficient, uh, you know, choices, how to process it. And I can go on about my day. So if I find myself in a situation where all I have are potato chips, I'll still be okay to function optimally. Right. And I, when I heard that, I thought like, yeah, that's at the time I didn't know it, but that's what I was preaching and what underpins everything I do is I help people to become communicatively flexible so that whatever situation they find themselves in, they have the vocabulary, they have the delivery skills, they have the approach, the the tools so that they can succeed in that situation, whether they're firing someone, promoting someone in a high pitch or high stakes pitch in whatever situation they're in, they'll have the best tools for the job. Excellent. I feel like we don't need to go on to the receiver and how they portray themselves in their position. I feel like we've covered that enough, but I would like to be a guinea pig in this this situation I'm about to put myself in. I want you to help me. You are my coach. You're mentoring me right now, here and now. What can, what do I do? What, what do I need to do right now? I'm, I'm here, Ryan, I want to be a better speaker. I want to be a better individual. I want people to know my message and know that I am as real as it gets. You won't find anybody like me. And I will say, prove it otherwise, if you can. So if I were your coach in this exercise and you gave some of the goals, you want to be, you know, uh, received, you want to be presented as, as a great speaker and you want that to be the, your kind of label going, your reputation going forward. The, then I, we'd go through a series of questions. So first I'd be, I'd go through a series of diagnostic questions like with who, in what industries, where, like you, you, I need to know a little bit more about what to fix, to kind of specify, to narrow down your goals. Sure. And once I have those, 
then what I do is I generally create a plan. I map out a plan with milestones saying, okay, we'll hit this one first, then we'll hit this one, then we'll hit, you know, usually there's about four or five and depending on the situation. And then, you know, after the fifth milestone, we'll get you where you want to be. Great. Do it on the fly. Do it on the fly. Let's do it right now. Oh, it, takes, it takes a lot of time. It takes like hours. Okay. Hours. Okay. If I were to answer five questions, you were to give me five questions. Could you give me a ballpark, you know, time frame of where I want to be? Like short goal, a short goal for me. Could you think you can do that? If you give me a short goal and you give me some, uh, some specifics, some details, I can probably tell you how many hours or how long approximately of working with me I could take, it would take to get you there. Okay. Does that work? Yes. And then also, if I, God, man. Also, if I were to ask you, hey, what about self-driven work where I don't need you anymore? Because my goal is to take everything you know and run with it and use that as a tool in my toolbox. So we'll start off with, okay, my goal is to get myself out there, not be afraid to embrace my vulnerabilities as my authentic self. Like what I want to illustrate in my character is everything that I've been through and what I'm going towards and follow me if you feel the same way. Yeah, so my fr- I have a ton of thoughts going through my mind. Let if it out. Were, throw it. Throw it. <laughs> if, we, if we were off the air, if we were, okay, so I tell you hypothetically, and please Do don't it. answer this. Sure. Publicly, but I would ask, what are you like? What are your vulnerabilities? What do you feel your vulnerability? I would have to. I would target a little bit. Sure, I'll tell uh, you my vulnerabilities. I don't give a fuck. It's okay. We don't have to go through it all here. But once I know a little bit more about but that, that's how I roll. I I do it on the fly. Like, hey, that's how we gotta be. I, that's the way I see it. That's the that's what I want to illustrate for our audience is. There's an opportunity. One, I'm communicating with you and you're on the show that you're helping us. Now I'm taking that as an opportunity. Well, I would like to learn something since I'm holding you hostage right now and I'm not letting you get away until we do these five questions. Let's go through one. Let's go through. So sure. If you feel comfortable, share vulnerable. Sure. I was sexually abused as a child. I've been, I've been, uh, I've been beaten up. I've been thrown down, shoved outside my house when I was ass naked when I was nine years old, all revolving. I've been through 114 different relationships and ended up in a horrible place because I didn't understand the very thing that I wanted. I've had a DUI. I've had over 20 speeding tickets. I've been through hell and I want to illustrate that that is normal because I didn't die and I'm here to share those experiences so that people don't feel alone, empty. Okay. So that, yeah, no, that was, that was a lot. That was really deep. That was, that was a lot. So let me, let me ask you, let me rephrase. What's one situation now, like in the here and now that you avoid or that you feel vulnerable in that you don't want to, you're not, you know, you're a little bit hesitant. It's daunting for you. Does that mm. make sense? Yes. God, public speaking events. If it's more than one, one individual, like a group of people, I get nervous because I feel like just talking about it, it's making me uncomfortable. I'm feeling my mouth drying up as we speak, <laughs> but I start to undervalue myself. I forget about everything. Like what we talked about earlier, like, yes, that is that's, that's the way to do it. But in the, when you're under pressure, 
I start to doubt myself. Like, Greg, you you didn't do any in the military. You didn't do, you're not getting your bachelor's degree. You didn't get an associates. You didn't stand up to the biggest authorities and came out the other side because you weren't afraid. Then it's like, I'm not good because I see these people here handling themselves. And I'm thinking, what if they're better than me? But I know there's nobody like me. Yeah. So we, so based on what you said, there'd be, there'd be a little bit of work. Uh, There'd be a few conversations, a few sessions about some, some inner friction that you have. Like you said, your, the actions, your thought process and your actions are are a little bit misaligned. Yes. Um, Right. But, and we, we would work to kind of slowly realign those. Um, But yeah, at the end, I can tell you this for certain at the end, instead of like having a, a cotton mouth, and sweating and dry palms or whatever and and worried about going up on stage you'd be like I tomorrow I get to go in front of people like you'd be looking forward to it it would be it would be an event interesting can you give me a little more, bit more than that tell me a little bit come on yeah so we would deconstruct what you go through the process you go through I would articulate it for you so that you'd feel you'd see it's real so all the the process that you go through subconsciously when you're experience when you get hit with that punch of nerves or what have you anxiety when all of the things happen and they're kind of outside your control you know why they're happening you know exactly what's happening and you know what to do to override them and then once you start overriding them which we practice that then you're thinking you don't have the brain fog anymore because you have no programs running in the background right those are already you've already circumvented those. And then you're focused on delivering your message and you're excited to deliver your message because you already know what the outcome is going to be. The outcome is going to be people clapping, saying, thank you for your time saying, you know what you've been through. I'd really like to continue this conversation. Do you have time to talk afterward? Right. You know, that's going to be the outcome before it's like watching a James Bond movie, you know, he's going to win. So you're going to be excited to just, you know, enjoy the ride. Does that make sense? Yes. No, that makes very very good sense, actually. Are you an introvert out of curiosity? <laughs> I tell people that jokingly. No, I'm probably the most extroverted person. I, I'm very gregarious. I love speaking with people. Yes, that's definitely one way to reinforce that mentality. <laughs> no, but I believe it. No, that's that's what I try to tell myself is that I am an, an extrovert when I need to be, but I prefer to be an introvert because that's where I can focus and reflect on everything and understand and align myself and where I'm trying to go. Yeah. I mean, a lot of, yeah, there is many people are like that, right? The world split and there's, there's introverts and there's extroverts. And the, I always say, people always ask me, they're like, what's better? Oh, I'm an extrovert. Is that good? Or I'm an introvert. That's not good. Right? No, it, it you're, everyone's like being right-handed or left-handed. It's not like, you know, one's good and one's bad. It's, you know, some are more prone. They have more success in some areas naturally. Some have more success in other areas naturally. It doesn't mean that you can't be good at both. And the people who are the most successful in the world, they understand that and they become good at both. And then they don't teach us that and they keep it for themselves. <laughs> they don't They don't know how. That's why there's people like me. No, I'm joking. <laughs> can, I, can I say one thing before we, we cut off here if we're going out? No, we're going out here in just a minute. Just a minute, but go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. If you're trying to, if you're trying to link your book, don't you dare. I'm opening gotta, up the floor. You I son of a bitch. You I son- <laughs> Ryan, would you like to ask our audience anything else? And is there something I have not asked you that you would like to cover? <laughs> would I like to ask the audience anything else? No, I'd like to, to tell the audience, uh, whoever's listening. Yeah. I, I, I hope you've enjoyed this. 
Um, I hope it was meaningful for you. I hope you've been able to extract some value. And if there's something I can do for you, please feel free to reach out and I'll, I'll do my best. I promise I'll do my best to help. I'll find some time. Um, so something I try to do. Um, but what I would like to say, yeah, my, I was just, my book got published on Friday officially. It's out on, on Amazon and everywhere. And then my publisher called me Thursday night before it went out on Friday and said, your book's already sold out. And I said, well, what does that mean? He means like, we got to print, we got to print like 5,000 more. So Fuck I yeah. mean, if you're looking to level up your speaking skills, your communication skills, there's a whole chapter on speaking anxiety and how to overcome it and questions to ask yourself, process to go through. Bring it to the so, right a little bit or by, this way. <laughs> hold it right. There you go. There you go. Now we can see it. Beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Sorry about that. But yeah, check it out. It's available on Amazon. It's uh, I think in the US, it's like 18 bucks. It's not expensive. And I'm telling you, it, it's like getting a master's in speaking in like a weekend over a weekend. Okay. Everything I've learned over the years, all the research, everything, I, all the experience I've jammed into this book. I don't want to say jammed. I've methodically prepared <laughs> and woven into, the, woven into this book. So yeah, please pick it up, have a read and, and realize your full potential. Beautiful. Ryan, I appreciate you coming on. It was a, it was a fun experience. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You definitely put me in some new territory, but Greg, I'd be happy to come back. If you ever, uh, if you ever need anything, let me know. You got a resource in me, my friend. Beautiful. Excellent. All right. You get out of here. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Take care. Bye. Ladies and gentlemen, that is it for today's episode. I would like to jump on Apple podcast real quick. Apple podcast, your, hold on here, transformation station. I got to really align this microphone. It's just spinning around like a little wild dude. And let me scroll down here. Boom. No, I don't want to go onto the app. God. All right, we're going to jump on the stupid app. There we go. Oh, yeah. I love the silence. It's wonderful. Yes. Embrace the silence. Beautiful. All right. I would like to thank... Pedro Williams, love the podcast. This is for Apple Podcast reviews, uh, the latest reviews that we received on Apple Podcast. Pedro Williams, love the super interesting and amazing podcast. Thank you so much. That means a lot to me right there. A great podcast. This was the first podcast I ever listened to consistently and Gregory Gregory has continued to create a show. I look forward to coming back to each episode. Patricia, thank you so much. That means a lot. And ooh, Gregory crushes it. Alex, thank you. I first found this show when the episode titled 
Which Pill Did Neo Take? Episode 88, solid conversation, great host, super good quality, a great podcast to listen to. Alex is the CEO of Podmatch, and we utilize his services. Fantastic for those that are trying to get on to a podcast or you are a podcast host, creator, whatever, check them out. They just upgraded their their website where they're now hosting podcasts onto their website. They have a great system that you can get linked up with people that you are trying to connect with that really will resonate with you and your audience. Definitely check them out, Podmatch. And for those, God, I love water. For those that are still listening, Thank you for tuning in and hanging out with me on today's episode. Now, we have we switched over to Podbean. We are looking for people to help donate to the podcast. This we understand that podcasts are free. However, we need to monetize. We have to continue to make the show go on. And the only way we can do that is we need some money. I'm a father, a full-time student. I'm driven to deliver content. But if I don't see results that can come through and you can help us make our goals through Patreon or through a one-time donation to PayPal or yeah, PayPal, YTS the podcast, no, we're not using that one anymore. Cr- cross that one out. We're not using that. It'll be, uh, you can cash app us, follow Favaza, go there, make a donation. We need it. We gotta, we gotta survive. Can't do this much longer if we can get no monetization, any finances that can help us continue to keep rolling. I can't even hold my microphone up. You see content, we need new shit. Like this stuff sucks. And You want to know that you have a host that will deliver the best content? Well, I turned my room into the fucking studio. I mean, I got three monitors. This is a badass looking place, and I wish you could just see all of it. Whoop! It's pretty sweet. Uh, One day, I'll definitely put up a video where you guys can see everything in real time. But I would like to transition to an idea. Like, I want... I want to do like a, like a call session kind of thing. Like for the, for those that are listening who really find my, my anecdotal direction actually informative and interesting. And if you want to challenge the norms, if you want to gain uh, the ability to question uh, what's being presented in front of you and really grow yourself as a leader, but also as a mentor to others and to have that mindset of, of an authority and have that presence where people can just feel the vibration when you walk into a room. I know that was one thing I've always wanted when I was younger because I struggled with it. I struggled with communicating. To this day, I still suck at it, but I'm going to do my very best to get there because I have people relying on me. That's why we need your donations. If you haven't donated, why? That's the real question. Why not? You see that? If you want to get 
my perspective on your personal life, your understanding, your beliefs, what you want to do to improve yourself, send me an email. We can have a one-on-one session. Try it out. See what you think. If you don't like me, oh well. You're not my clientele. But if you do want to fix yourself, you do want to take control of a team, you do want to take control of your life, and you don't want any candy-ass individuals that are going to lead you into disappointment, then give me a call. But for now, you're going to get my email. It's fowlfavaza at gmail.com. If you want real results, you want somebody that actually will give a shit and will make growth out of you one way or another, you can email me. Otherwise, hey, you tune in till you tune in next week to get more of this funny looking face delivering some good content to you. And uh, yeah, later. You've been listening to your transformation station, your voice on the hard truths of leadership. We hope you've enjoyed the show. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information. Make sure to like, rate, and review the show. Remember, your transformation station is on all major platforms, including Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, TikTok, and YouTube at YTS The Podcast. And visit the website at YTSThePodcast.com. Till next time.